It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCEW, Sitka. Today is Tuesday, August 9th. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this is Raven News. The Sitka Assembly will consider opposing a private hydroelectric project near Warm Springs Bay when it meets in regular session tonight. It will also consider purchasing another shelter for the new bus stop on Lincoln Street and betting on a likely surplus in this year's general fund to replace an expensive heat pump system in Blatchley Middle School. The hydroelectric application has been submitted by Joe Stevens in Nelson Bay, a few miles south of Warm Springs. The project would tap an unnamed alpine lake about nine miles east of Green Lake, one of Sitka's two major hydro projects. Sitka Administrator John Leach is recommending that the Assembly oppose the project since there appears to be no length of time specified in the permit application and the expense and investment to develop hydro there could really only be supported by significant commercial activity. None of that has been identified or permitted yet by either the U.S. Forest Service or the state. The Assembly will consider spending about $30,000 putting in a second shelter at the new bus stop on Lincoln Street. The location is the only transfer stop for the community ride. The accessible shelter itself costs only a little over $10,000. The rest of the budget is for shipping and installation. A far larger bill is likely at Blatchley Middle School. The school district recently determined that four out of the five heat pumps in the building, all installed in 2011, are beyond repair. They're all beyond warranty as well. The Public Works Department is recommending a full replacement at a cost of about $600,000. That could be covered by an anticipated surplus in the general fund of $2.5 million this year. Raven News will provide live coverage of tonight's assembly meeting beginning at 6 p.m. Alaska's first Ironman triathlon was in Juneau on Sunday. More than 700 athletes finished the race. The first across the finish line was Alex Wetman of Riverton, Utah. It took him 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 17 seconds. That's to swim 1.2 miles in Auk Lake, bike 112 miles on Glacier Highway, and run a full 26-mile marathon through the Mendenhall Valley. Liz Cullen of Gibson, British Columbia, was the top female finisher with a time of 10 hours, 23 minutes, and 3 seconds. Several dozen locals raced and finished. The first person from Juno to finish was Will Coleman, who was 14th overall. Beth Golan was Juno's first female finisher and 13th female overall. John Burcell was Juno's second finisher. He's completed several Ironman races in the past and met his goal this time to qualify for the Ironman World Championship event in Hawaii this October. It was a great experience overall. I think Ironman did a great job. I was super impressed and proud of, of Juno. You know, the way people turned out, the, the support was incredible, the volunteers were incredible, and we heard that over and over again from people who came from out of town to compete. This was basically the most supportive community they've ever raced in. Bursell says locals volunteered, loaned out their own personal bikes, opened up their homes to house athletes, and even offered free car rides around town. According to a press release from Ironman, more than 1,400 people volunteered. The event had a lot of challenges. Race officials cut the swim portion in half due to the cold water temperatures in Auk Lake. But Ironman Alaska will be back in Juneau in 2023 and 2024. 
Two Sitka businesses are among the dozen small businesses in southeast Alaska selected as finalists in this year's Path to Prosperity competition. Alpenglow Adventures offers multi-day itineraries in kayaking, biking, and hiking to small groups of wilderness enthusiasts. Southeast Dough Company produces craft breads and other fermented products. All of the finalists will get training in business management, and two will walk away with a $25,000 prize. Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports on some of the other businesses around the region in this year's competition. Aaron Agerman grew up in Wrangell and has watched the tourism industry grow there. On busy summer days, the town of 2000 sees hundreds of visitors disembark small and mid-sized cruise ships. So, Anchorman and his wife Mickey thought up a business idea, electric scooters. Like the stand-up ones that kids kick around, but battery-powered. Totally electric, no emissions or anything else like that. Nice, quiet transportation. You might have seen them in bigger cities, rented out through phone apps from companies like Lime or Bird. But it would be a new business for Wrangell, and Agerman says they'd be cheap and easy transportation for tourists. You kind of just pick one of these up and go, and you don't have to worry about placing it. You simply just park it, take a picture, and push end ride, and put the kickstand up, and it's there. And that's all you have to do. You don't got to turn it back in anywhere. You can get from point A to point B and not worry about returning to point A if you don't want. The scooters could be recharged as needed, which the couple can also manage online. They plan to start with 12 to 16 and grow from there. Angerman and his wife are finalists in the annual business competition run by Spruce Root, a regional nonprofit that promotes economic growth. Spruce Root was started in 2012 by Ha Ani, a subsidiary of Sea Alaska Corporation. For a second year in a row, the Path to Prosperity competition relates to tourism, specifically businesses that continue to benefit local residents. Isabella Haywood is the competition's administrator. We wanted to make sure that local businesses are really equipped to build businesses in a way that not only like serve the visitors that come to the region, but also channel economic benefits from those visitors deep into their communities. In October, the 12 finalists will go through a workshop, learning how to polish their business plans. Rebecca Kameka is looking forward to it. She's a baker in Haines and would like to open a small restaurant focusing on tapas, wine, and dessert. Tapas are appetizers in Spanish cuisine and part of Kameka's Cuban heritage. While people do eat on the ship, I'm thinking a tapas thing is not, you know, you're not really committing to a whole meal. And maybe they're walking around, they're like, you know what, I do want a glass of wine or a beer get a small plate or a slice of cake, you know, kind of something a little a little bougie, I guess, would be the word, um, and a bit atypical for the area. She's not sure if she'd have a dine-in or walk-in situation, but either way, she's looking forward to more kitchen space. Currently, she bakes out of an apartment. For Kameka, baking is an art form. She tapes drawings of her ideas to the wall. I'll sketch out my, my cake designs here and put them up, kind of look at them you know, up until the wedding, see if I want to make some adjustments. She says she's glad she's doing the Path to Prosperity competition because she wants to consider all of her options, including possibly contracting with cruise companies. Jim Silverthorne is another finalist. He wants to start a catch-and-release fly fishing competition for steelhead trout on Prince of Wales Island that would draw on tourists every year. Between all of the, the native art and the local craftspeople and stuff like that. We're looking at, you know, putting all this together as one realm. And so it would be a pretty big thing. 
Silverthorne runs a fishing charter business out of Thorn Bay and says fishermen bring money to the town every summer. He says a steelhead event would start the tourist season earlier, in April, when the sought-after trout are running, and that would bring more revenue to the remote towns on the economically depressed island. The sales tax that the city gets off of, and then the sales tax that they get off of the grocery store, and those guys are buying gas, they're buying groceries, they're buying booze, they're buying, you know, they're renting vehicles, they're staying in apartments, staying in houses. Guides would be required to go along with the fishermen, so Silverthorne says the competition could create jobs for residents across the island. The two winners of Path to Prosperity will be announced in February. The annual competition started in 2013 and has awarded a total of $610,000 to 19 winners. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Ketchikan's annual Blueberry Arts Festival returned this weekend. The annual fair celebrates art, community, and all things blueberry. The heart of the festival is the vendor market. This year, there were more than 150 booths spread across downtown Ketchikan. KRBD's Eric Stone sent this audio postcard. Uh, my name is Janie Henderson. And uh, what's, what's the business you're running? Uh, this is Cedar Point Studio. I, uh, I do my own original artwork, uh, Simpson Art. Uh, on display I have uh, Tyler's Heron, which is a memorial piece for my nephew. And I've got uh, frame prints as well as unframed prints and uh, magnets. I'm fr originally from, born and raised Metlakatla, the uh, only uh, native reservation in Alaska. And I, I moved to Ketchikan about 10 years ago. So this is home for me, Southeast Alaska. So last year was incredible and I'm very happy to be here again. It looks like a huge turnout. Last year was a huge turnout. So it's amazing that that momentum built and it's just growing by the year. It's a beautiful community. It's a, it's a heck of an experience, like I said, to be able to sell local artwork and to see everybody come out and support their local artists. All right, thank you very much and good luck. Uh, my first name is Patty and my last name is Whitesides. I'm originally from Florida, um, but I've lived in Ketchikan since 2008. I'm married to my husband, Jeff Whitesides, who is from Ketchikan, born and raised. And the name of the name of the shop is Anchored Artwork? Yeah, Anchored Artwork. So we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. And tell me about some of the things we have on, on display here. So we have original pieces of art, and then we also have some prints um, of our artwork that we do. And uh, uh, just sort of what does the festival mean to you in your business? It's just the tradition of Ketchikan, having everyone get together and seeing all the different vendors and all the art, you know, whatever it is that they create, it's amazing and just, it brings the community together. It's a great place for everyone to walk around and see everything and see all the talented people we have in our community. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.